All right, good, good morning, everybody. Um, where are all the kids at this morning? All right, so my first question for you guys today is, uh, how many of you have ever been sad? Okay, how many of you have ever seen anybody else that's sad? How many of you have ever seen your mom or your dad sad? Wait, start over. Back up. Put your hands down. How many of you have ever seen your mom sad? All right. How many of you have ever seen your dad sad? All right. Cool. The reason why I'm asking you these questions is because today we're talking about this, this word lament. And lament is kind of like a big fancy word for a specific way to be sad. It's a way to be sad that instead of causing us to be angry or mad or just just really, really upset, it causes us to trust in God. It it takes our sadness and and it kind of gives it to God through prayer as we bring it to him, and then it leads us to trust him more. And so kids, I would encourage you to go home and ask your parents about what they learned about lament. Ask them, how we do that. How, how can we be sad in a way that instead of leading it away from God, actually leads us towards God. So go home, talk to your parents about that. Parents, disciple your kids, uh, teach them uh, how they can learn how to lament. Because I think that most of you would agree that this is something that we don't know how to do well as Christians. And so it's something that we need to learn how to do, and it's something that we need to learn how to teach our kids to do. Uh, So let's go ahead and pray together this morning, and then we'll get into talking about lament together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good, and that you are sovereign, that you you rule over everything and everyone, um, that you are in control when things are going well and that you are in control when it seems like things are going bad, that you uh, are our God and King when, when we are happy and that you are God and King when we are not happy. God, we pray today that as we uh, look at your words together, as we talk about what it means for us as your followers to, to lament what's going on in our lives or what's going on in our world, we pray that you would send your spirit to, to meet with us, that we uh, would be transformed by your word and by this, this concept that we see in Scripture that we wouldn't just uh, stay in our frustration and in our sorrow and in our pain on our own, but that we would, would bring that to you through prayer, uh, that we would learn how to lament uh, that we might trust you more. Jesus, we thank you uh, for your sacrifice on our behalf, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, For me, uh, this is the sermon that I am probably, uh, when we started this series, this was the one I was most excited about. Um, Somewhat mostly excited about it because it marked the end of this series, where we can go back to Luke, where things are just a little less controversial, um, and I'm excited about that, but I'm also excited about just the the concept of lament, because it's one that, that personally I want to grow in. Um, and it's one that I think that, that all believers need to grow in. For me, I'm sure a lot of you know that I'm not uh, a super emotional person. Uh, when bad emotions come along, like sadness, my tendency is just to, to crush them down and pretend like they're not there. Um, that is not lament. 
That is, that is denial. That is just kind of putting things, that's procrastinating with your emotions. Um, and so I wanted to learn more about how to lament. And so I was excited that we get to talk about it because that forced me to learn more about it. And so before we get into the topic, I want to recommend a couple books that have been very, very helpful. Um, they're by the same guy. The first one is called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. The author's name is Mark Vrogrop. Um, and I think there's a slide that has these. Yeah, I, the, I'm not sure if that's the right way to say this guy's name. It seems like they just like had a bunch of consonants and a couple vowels and were like, hey, let's put this into a last name. But it's Mark Brograp, I think. And he wrote this one. He also wrote Weep With Me, uh, which is How Lament Opens a Door for Racial Reconciliation. This one, there's actually a free PDF online. If you don't want to buy the book, if you like to read things on your computer, this one's free online. But both of these books are, are really helpful, and I'm going to quote him a lot today as we work through this because he kind of gives a very practical and helpful paradigm on how to lament. So the goal for us this morning is to do three things. We're going to talk about what lament is, we're going to talk about how we lament, and then we're going to have a time in the service where we can put this in practice together, where we can uh, lament what's going on in our lives, what's going on in the world uh, as a church together. And so towards the end, what we're going to do is uh, someone's going to pass around a microphone. We're going to wipe it with wipes in between because, you know, there's a a pandemic happening right now. Um, But it will give everybody a chance if they want to. If you don't want to, you don't need to participate, uh, but to to pray and lament uh, what's going on. And so hopefully by the end of this sermon, you'll be Uh, at least informed enough about what lament is and how to do it that you'll feel like participating. So, first thing, what is lament? Lament is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. It's a prayer of pain that leads to trust. So, you have something going on in your life or something that you see going on in the world that causes you pain. It causes you sorrow. It causes you grief. It causes you to mourn. It causes suffering. It's a prayer of pain that leads to trust in God. And this is important because it's not just an expression of sorrow. It's not just us being sad. It's us being sorrowful and moving somewhere. It's a prayer of pain that leads to trust. So the goal of lament is to, to recommit yourself to God in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your pain, and, and kind of focus on his promises and who he is and how what's happening doesn't line up with uh, what we know about God and what he desires for us and what he desires for creation. So here's this quote from Mark uh, V. Lament is the historic biblical prayer language of Christians in pain. It's the voice of God's people while living in a broken world. Lament acknowledge the reality of pain while trusting in God's promises. So he says that it's the historic biblical prayer language of Christians in pain. And when I read that the first time, I thought, really? Because I, I, I was never taught to lament. And so like if this is things that, that followers of Jesus, that people of God do, if it's the historic biblical prayer language, then, then why haven't I learned about it? And then he goes on to say that over one-third of the psalms are psalms of lament. So there's 150 psalms. That means more than 50 of them are lament psalms. And I knew, you know, from, from going to seminary and studying in school that there were psalms of lament. 
But I didn't know that there were more than 50. I didn't know that more than one-third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. And that's important because the Psalms give us a picture of what Israel's prayer life was like, what the people of God in the Old Testament, what their prayer life was like. And over a third of their prayers that are recorded for us, that we might benefit from them, that we might see them as examples, over a third of them are Psalms of lament. And so us not knowing how to lament, us not practicing lament, us not reading those psalms and putting them into our lives is us missing out on a major way in which God interacted with his people throughout history. So I think that we should learn how to lament together so that we can participate in that. So the second question is how do we lament? And Vergrop gives four basic things, four, four kind of steps to lament. Number one, is turn to God. Number two is complain. Number three is ask. And number four is trust. And so let's look at Psalm 13. Uh, go and open up your Bibles to Psalm 13. The verses are also going to be on the slides uh, if you don't have one with you. And we'll see these four elements come out in this psalm. Again, that's Psalm 13, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So this is a a, a short, pretty simple psalm. There's only six verses, uh, but in it we see lament at work here. So step one, turn to God. This one in this psalm is more uh, implicit rather than explicit. He doesn't say, right, I'm turning to God. But what is he doing in the psalm, right? He's, he's praying to the Lord, talking to him about what's going on in his life. This psalm represents David turning to God. Uh, remember, the definition of lament is, is, is talking to God about pain. It's bringing a prayer of pain to God in a way that leads to trust. This is what David is doing in this psalm. He is turning to God. And so lament is an act of faith for us as Christians where we, we turn outwardly from ourselves to God in trust. I think that's important because what primarily happens to us when we're in a situation that we don't like, when we're in a situation that's hard for us, we often turn inward to ourselves, and that's not where the answer is. And so turning to God is the first step in lament. The second one is complain. And this one was kind of tough for me at the beginning. Because I think normally, right, when we think about people complaining, when we think about complainers, when we think about complaints, we view that as a negative thing, right? If there's somebody in your home that's a complainer, that's a person that's kind of hard to be around sometimes, especially when things are bad, right? And in the New Testament, Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. The word grumbling could also be translated as complaining, Jesus tells the disciples in John 6, 43, do not grumble among yourselves. So I think sometimes we're predisposed to see complaining as a bad thing. So should we not then complain to God? But look at these verses in the Psalm. Psalm 55, 2. Attend to me and answer me. 
This is the psalmist praying to God, I am restless in my complaint and I moan. Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. Psalm 64, 1, hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Psalm 102, 1, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. And then Psalm 142, 2, I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. So these are uh, the authors of these psalms are complaining. They're voicing their complaint to God, and God is hearing them, and those things are recorded that we might see in them an example of how we ought to pray and what we ought to do. Listen to this quote. If you read the Psalms of Lament, you will discover a lot of creative complaining. You'll find expressions of sorrow, fear, frustration, and even confusion. In other words, the Bible is full of complaints. And apparently they aren't sinful. In fact, they were set to music as an entire congregation sang their frustration. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not giving you permission to vent self-centered rage at God when life has not turned out like you planned. I'm not suggesting for a second you have a right to be angry with God. I think that is always wrong, but I do think there's a place for a kind of complaining that is biblical. In fact, bringing your complaints is central to lament. There are some of these psalms where people are voicing their complaints were used in worship, which would be really weird for us, right? We normally sing like happy, upbeat songs, right? It's a big celebration. But if we just sang songs like some of the lament psalms, it would be a different kind of experience for us. Uh, But sometimes that's what the people of God in the Old Testament did. The problem with our complaining, and I think the reason why we view it as a negative thing all the time, is because our complaining doesn't lead anywhere. It's just us voicing our frustration. It's just us complaining. It's just us saying, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. And the only thing it does is it makes us feel worse about all the things we're complaining about. It might give us some some relief for a moment as we vent that outward. But complaining as part of lament is about driving us to God. It's about going somewhere. There's a point to our complaint. It's us voicing them to him uh, in a way that talks to him about the way in which the things that we're seeing in our life and the way that we're seeing things in the world are not in line with what he said he desires of us or what he desires for his creation. So it's a complaint that moves somewhere, that has a purpose. Um, We see this in Psalm 13 in in the first two verses. He says, "'How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever?' How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David is complaining. He's asking God, how long will it be that I have to deal with this? Right? He, he feels like God has forgotten him. He feels like God has hidden his face. He feels like his enemies are exalted over him. He feels like God is taking the side of his enemies instead of taking his side and what he's going through. David is complaining. He's voicing to God the things that have gone wrong in his life. He's sharing those complaints with God, and he's doing it in a way that is respectful, right? He's not just voicing his anger at God. He's not being unreverent. He's not dishonoring God. He is talking to God about what's going on, about how he feels in a way that voices his complaints. And so in lament, we turn to God in prayer, we complain, and the third thing we do is we ask. Lament is boldly and confidently asking God to act on our behalf in a way that is in accordance with his character and what he desires of us. 
It's us coming to him and asking him to do something about the pain, about the suffering, about what is wrong that we're bringing to him in complaint. And it's not just a one-time thing. We don't just lament once and then we're done. Remember, over a third of the psalms are psalms of lament. They are bringing their complaints to God. Groff says, Lament affirms the applicability of God's promises by asking again and again for divine help. Repeated requests become hopeful reminders of what God can do. Asking boldly serves to strengthen our resolve to not give up. Right? It's, it's an ongoing thing. It's a process. It's not just, you know, say, like we have a loved one die. And that causes us tremendous heartache and grief. It's not like one lament is going to make all of that go away. It's not like one time where we pray to God and we say, hey, I'm trying to trust in your promises in this area. That doesn't just make it go away. That doesn't end it. It, it might, and that would be awesome. But chances are you're going to have to continually lament the same thing as you remind yourself through prayer about God's promises and how you need to trust in them in these areas. Uh, we see David asking in verses 3 and 4, He says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David is asking God to act on his behalf. He's asking him to do something. He says, Consider my situation and answer me. That is an answer to David feeling like God is distant. He wants God to look at him and give him an answer. Uh, He's asking God to, to ask or to act on his behalf and and preserve his life so he won't die, so that his enemies won't rejoice over him, so that his enemies won't be exalted over him. He is asking God to act in a way that answers the complaints that he brought up in the first two verses. He is asking God to act on his behalf. And so we turn to God, we complain, we ask him to act, and the fourth thing is we trust in God. Faith and trust and, and confidence in God is the destination of lament. That's what the purpose for lament is. It's not just about us voicing our frustration. It's not just about us voicing our pain, but it's about doing that in a way that leads us to trust God more, that leads us to faith. And so turning to God and complaining and asking, they bring us here. For Groff says that lament helps us through suffering by directing our hearts to make the choice, often daily, to trust in God's purposes hidden behind the pain. In this way, a lament is one of the most theologically informed practices of the Christian life. Laments lead us through our sorrows so that we can trust God and praise Him. Lament is one of the most theologically informed practices of the Christian life. That's probably something we should be doing. There's a shift that happens in Psalm 13 towards the end in verse 5, right? He says, But... I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So David turns to God in in praying this psalm. He complains about what's going on in his life and the things that he's facing. He asks God to act, but then at the very end, he moves to trust him. He says, but regardless of everything that's come before, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. David is going to trust, has trusted, and will continue to trust in God's steadfast love regardless of what happens, regardless of how God answers, regardless of the pain that he's facing and the situation that he's in. He's going to trust in God. He's going to trust in his steadfast love. He says that he is going to rejoice in God's salvation. He's going to sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with him. 
David moves from his situation, from his pain, through complaining, through asking, to trusting God. And I don't think that we should see this as the way lament is going to work every single time. Right? I don't think any time we come to God and lament, we're going to end up singing at the end of it. Right? This is one example of over 50 in the Psalms. We should not expect that any time we're you know, sorrowful or suffering or feeling pain, that if we follow these steps, then we're going to end up happy at the end. David ends at joy in this psalm, and that's amazing, but it's not always going to work this way. This is just one example. But the point is that whatever that trust looks like at the end of our lament, it's trust in God. It's moving us outside of ourselves, outside of the situation that we're in, outside of our complaint, and toward him in trust. And that's going to take time. That's going to be a process. But as long as we're moving that way, we're actually lamenting instead of just being sad, instead of just suffering, instead of just complaining. We are moving in a direction away from ourselves and away from our pain toward God. We do that by by turning to Him, by voicing our complaints, by asking Him to act in a way that's in accordance with His character, and then by trusting Him to do it even when we don't feel like trusting him. Even when faith is hard, we move towards God uh, in the midst of our pain by lamenting. This is what lament is. It's, it's, not, it's not complicated. It's not hard. It's, it's difficult because there are times when we just want to wallow instead of actually moving towards God. But I think that if we will begin to put these things into practice in our lives, the way we process pain, the way we process sorrow, the way we process suffering would be a lot more healthy and be a lot more Christian and biblical as we respond to what's going on in the world. And so today, I want us to take time to do that together. Uh, to spend some time lamenting. You, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pass around a microphone. There are a couple people that I ask just to be prepared to do this. Um, but if, if you want to participate, what we'll do is uh, just, just stand up and somebody will bring you a mic. You might have to wait for somebody else to finish praying. Um, but you can lament something that's going on in your life. You can lament something that's going on in the world. Um, what we don't want this to turn into is, is like debate via lament. And so I, we've talked about a whole lot of controversial issues. Um, and so I don't want people to use this as a platform to be like, you know, I lament that people don't support our president, or I lament that people do support our president. Like, that would be, that would be bad. That's not what lament is. Um, and so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, um, and then we'll start this process. Colton is going to be the one with the mic and the wipes. Um, and so if you want to participate, just, just stand up. Not right now when we're praying. Um, you can wait until somebody's close to done praying to stand up. You don't feel like you have to all stand up at once. Um, and then whenever we're done, um, Daniel will close us and then lead us in the Lord's Supper. So let's pray. Father, I pray that now, during this time, that you would help us to to turn to you. It's it's hard to be a believer um, in light of all the suffering and the pain we see in the world. It's it's hard 
to, to trust that, that you're in control and that you're working uh, all things together for the good of those who love you when we see people dying, when we see people hurting, when we see people struggling, when we see uh, so much hate and injustice in this world, when we see uh, loss all over the place. I pray that you would send your spirit to, to move in us and show us how to respond. That we wouldn't just complain. That we wouldn't just vent frustration. But that we would move outward from ourselves in compassion to love those who are suffering. To, to share the good news of a God who has come to save his people and his creation, to to remake the world in a way in which uh, all this pain and all this loss and all this sorrow is no more. And so we pray that, that you would do that and that you would give us eyes to see and, and faith to believe that you are acting. And I pray that you would help us to trust that you are, even when we can't see it. And that you would increase our faith in a time when it's hard to have it. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I want to repent for not lamenting um, in the past where I would see um, struggles that people have and push them away. And I'm, I'm sorry for that because I recognize that that's a missed opportunity for me to worship you. It's a missed opportunity for me to train my heart to turn sorrows and doubts into trust. And it's a missed opportunity to love the people around me with, through solidarity and showing care. And, and there's just a lot, an overwhelming amount of sorrow in this world, outside. Um, right now, especially with COVID and um, just rioting and general social unrest. But there's also pain in this church that I know. I I know the Echo Myers aren't here, but I know there's stress with um, their plans being delayed for going to East Asia. I know that um, the Kings are in a sorrowful period because they're here. They've been yanked away from where they made home and 
so other people are hurting. And I just pray, God, that you would, you would come and you would teach me and teach us to learn to worship, to learn to worship through giving, giving our sorrows, giving our doubts, giving our sins to you, and learning to trust you so that when it gets, even in the small things, that even when, it, when it's small, that we turn to you and bring those to you so that we would just trust you when it's harder, when, it's, when there's death and when there's really bad sickness and scared things. God, I just ask that you would help us to worship you rightly through that. And let's pray that you give us peace in that and, and, and who you are. Teach us to, to know you better and to give our hearts and to love one another and to love our neighbors and to be able to point them to a God who, who is understanding, a God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Just, amen. Yeah, God, you are the creator of the world and everything in it. And you say that you're the good shepherd. And so, yeah, t- together today, and, and I personally ask you that, that you would be who you said you are. You said that you're the good shepherd who goes after his lost sheep. And that you're like the woman who lost the coin and sweeps out the whole house until she finds it. But God, there are people in our lives, in our families, in this room that have yet to trust in Jesus. God, the people in Tower Town have yet to hear. And, and if they're your sheep, if they're your people, God, why haven't you gone to them? Why haven't you saved them yet? When are you going to humble the proud and, and bring true, true justice God, people are dying. Our lives are like dust. You know this. Time's running out for so many that have yet to hear or have yet to repent. And God, you know them by name. You know the hairs on their head. So when, God, when, when are you going to move to save them? Because they can't save themselves and neither can we. You alone save that's what you told us. So, so God, yeah, we, we ask that, that you would be who you said you are, that you are strong and that you're kind and your, your patience is not like our patience, but you wait for more and more to turn to you. Jesus, we want you to come back to where there's no mourning or crying or death or pain anymore, but we need you to start making things right now so people aren't shot in the streets or shot in front of their children or dying of diseases that doctors can't cure because they live in a village that doesn't have a hospital. God, people are perishing. 
apart from you. And you're the good shepherd. So God, we ask that we would be obedient to you, that we would have faith that, that you are good and that you will never stop going after your sheep. Help us to believe that. Father, um, I've been reminded lately of just no matter how much time has passed in history, how many uh, governments have come and gone, um, mankind is still uh, dark and evil, and our hearts are desperately wicked. And um, I, uh, I just want to acknowledge that uh, I, I want to put hope in systems and in um, earthly authorities um, to, to rectify what only you can rectify, and that's changing people's hearts. Um, the only way that real change will happen is is through people being drawn into your kingdom and you becoming the king so uh but but uh, as as natalie said it's it's just it looks so hopeless because we know there is no hope in any system that we can create as uh without you um and it's so broad we see all of all of the brokenness across the entire globe and such a much larger scale than um the authors of the psalms would have seen just that it's everywhere brokenness and sin corruption death is is rampant and um, it makes us feel helpless and uh, just there's nothing else we can do but to ask you to to do um, what you said you would do which would be to draw all people to yourself through Jesus through his um, his suffering 
and his sacrifice and and the work that he's done to restore all of creation back to you. We cry out to you to do that. And we cry out to you to, to change our hearts and change our the way we think to never put our hope in in what we can do without you. To to think that anything but the gospel changing people's hearts is gonna make a lasting difference. So we do we do acknowledge that um, our hope is only in you and we ask that you would move in a way where we can see that it's you and that will uh, bring glory to you and to Jesus. Pray this in his name.